maybe I'm wrong, okay, but I believe that all the energies may have a good impact on humanity. All these technologies uh, in the past, uh, our history shows, okay, that all these technology may be used on a good way, on a bad way. We just have to focus on the good way to use it. Welcome to the Future Of, a podcast by Fresh Consulting, where we discuss and learn about the future of different industries, markets, and technology verticals. Together, we'll chat with leaders and experts in the field and discuss how we can shape the future human experience. I'm your host, Jeff Dance. Hello, welcome to the future of satellite internet access and just internet access in general. This is another episode of the Future of Program. I'm here with the founder of Satel IoT and Jauma Sanpera. Welcome from Barcelona. Thank you very much, Jeff. A pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. For the audience to get to know you a little bit better, can you tell us more about your background and your experience with you know, telecommunications and satellites? Great. I have been for the last uh, 20 years in the telecommunications sector. I started in rural internet. Uh, we cooperate a company that we did an IPO, we take it to public market, and we just exploded and uh, and make it available in more than 30 countries around the world. We did some amazing projects all around the world. In uh, Morocco, for example, we connect 6,000 schools in three months. This is one of the examples of what new technologies may do for these underdeveloped or developing countries, okay, in order to bring access of the internet in a very short time. Thank you. That's fascinating. So you've been the founder of uh, several companies uh, in the telecom kind of space and satellite space. Recently, you founded and, and are leading Satel IoT. Tell us more about this company. I, I understand you guys recently launched one of your satellites on the, the Falcon 9 rocket just this, this month. Tell us more about that and more about your company. Yes. Uh, what um, In the world, okay, uh, there, is, uh, there is two very differentiated regions. Okay? 15% of the world has mobile connectivity. And inside the mobile connectivity, you have the the capability, you have the, the possibility of connecting something, a tracker, uh, a sensor, for a very low price. This means that uh, in the middle of city, you could have a tracker for $5 and uh, $1 a month. Uh, this is the 15% of the world that where is mobile coverage. In the other 85%, there is only satellite coverage. And satellite coverage since today, it means that uh, you have to buy satellite device, satellite device, uh, the name it says, uh, the name itself, it sounds uh, expensive, okay? It, uh, it is. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> and it is. Uh, it costs you three, four, five hundred dollars just a device, okay? Plus 30, 40, 50 dollars a month. This exactly is the reason why in this 15% of the world, there are already five billion things connected, and the other 85%, there is only five millions. This directed to one two thousand. It's something that it make us think about it and say that we well, there is must be one way to do the same the exactly the same revolution that is has happened in cities okay, in the rest of the world. We start looking at the uh, standard devices and what we saw is that uh, standard devices uh, have the capability, the power to connect directly to a low Earth satellite. This means a satellite that flies very close to Earth, around 500 to 
700 kilometers of altitude instead of the uh, geostationary satellite that are at 30,000 kilometers away. Then uh, the software needed to be modified. Uh, but uh, one ex- huge expertise that we have uh, on our company and with my colleagues is the CGPP. The CGPP, this uh, strange name, uh, stands for the a global organization that set up the standard for the mobile industry. Then we have been for the last few years contributing to the standard. And last year, June 2022, finally, the new release of the standard was approved that allows at exactly the same $5 device that uh, we're explaining this 50% of the world, it will work in the other 85%. This change everything, disrupts completely the IoT world in the in those uh, places with no coverage of the mobile operators today. Got it. So that's what your company's focused on, that kind of very problem. And uh, tell us more about uh, the satellite. So is this like, as I understand it, it's you launch a satellite that connects the cell towers sort of on Earth, and you, you're just extending coverage by connecting. It's like another cell tower in space. Is that is that accurate? Exactly. It's connect direct to device okay, that uh, we we do not need. Uh, when uh, basically, if you want to, what we are looking at, it's a uh, it's a way to be to have exponential growth. Okay, then you know the only way to do that is to have different providers, okay, in different parts of the world that wanted to extend this coverage to this place, okay, and these are the mobile operators. That's why we are just an extension of coverage of the mobile operators, and when the customers of the mobile operators lose the coverage, in a seamless way, exactly the same, because at the end, we are connecting with the mobile operators with a single roaming agreement, exactly the same that happened when you travel to Canada or to Mexico, then the mobile phones, it connects automatically to the new provider, and like the sense happens to with our cell towers in space that the IoT devices, when they use the connectivity of AT&T, Verizon, or whatever mobile operator, okay, it connects directly with our satellites, and uh, the satellites downloads information to our ground stations, and we deliver it back through the single roaming agreement that we have with the mobile operators. More than 50 mobile operators and virtual mobile operators all around the world have already signed Although we don't have already commercial service till uh, beginning next year, because we are just we just have uh, developed the technology, and now we are launching uh, the first satellites that will be fully compatible. The first five G IoT satellites of the world. That's amazing. First five G satellite uh, of the world. I understand that was your satellite was on the the Falcon Nine rocket that launched this month. Ah, uh, agree. The Transporter Seven. We launched the first one, okay, and we are launching the second one, uh, the second bunch of satellites, because uh, this time we launched our first satellite, March 2021. This was a experimental satellite. It's the one that have give us all the capability of, uh, of developing all these contributions to the standard. Then we have launched the second satellite, which is a demonstrator. This, with this satellite, we're going to demonstrate the technology that have, is, have been already tested on a lab that uh, it works also from space. And in October, with Transporter 9, uh, Falcon 9 again, okay, we are launching four more satellites that uh, are the ones okay, that will be the first commercial constellation uh, in the world that work uh, with fully standard devices. Amazing. Yeah, you've been the founder, like I said, of several companies, even the number one telecom satellite 
operator in uh, in Europe, you know, prior. So you've been doing a lot of things, leading a lot of companies, um, especially around this space. What's a guy like you do for fun? We need uh, to have a, a working life and and uh, a non-working life. That's 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 compulsory. If not, it's absolutely comp- impossible to survive. Okay, then I love sports. Okay, I do a lot of biking. I do a lot of sailing. But as you know, okay, San Diego and Barcelona have something in common, which is the sea. Okay, then uh, uh, I love uh, I love sailing over and and today. I go uh, to see Bruce Springsteen that is coming to Barcelona just this afternoon in a couple of hours. Amazing. That sounds fun. Thanks for being with us on your on your Friday night. And definitely, uh, I saw that you guys have uh, a location here in San Diego, here in the United States. So that that's great to hear that you um, like to sail and enjoy the sea. Let's uh, as we talk about the future. Let's start. You know, let's start with the current state. You started off telling us about the problem that uh, Satel IoT is focused on, which is, hey, there's a lot of space, a lot of uh, people that don't have internet access. As I understand it, you know, you know, five billion people worldwide do have internet access, but still, there there are people themselves who don't have internet access. And then, like you mentioned, there's a lot of uh, space and territory itself that where there's gaps. What are kind of the biggest barriers that have you know kept us from providing internet access to the world entirely in kind of the space? Is it has it been this lack of connection to satellites, or have there been other issues? No, I think that the the, the highest barrier you know, to to give internet access to the rest of the world that have not today. Okay, well, we have the the champion that which is Starling, with no doubt. Okay, that uh, uh, may deliver internet access wherever you are. At a, at a fiber quality connectivity, okay, which is amazing what what he's doing. The point is that the device uh, that the Starling is doing it costs uh, five hundred dollars, and this means that uh, just a few, but most of the people in Europe, uh, in Europe, and most of the people in US uh, may pay it, okay, but. Uh, most of the people in Africa cannot afford a 500 euro device for having internet access. And the only way to reduce the cost of the device is, again, is a standardization. A standardization is the way, okay, that uh, to eliminate the lockdowns, increase competition, and decrease the cost of the device. This is, this is a, it, uh, for me, it's an obsession, okay, to, to push for a standard devices everywhere because standard has well, it has a low wash to have a computer like this one in our pockets, okay, for a fraction of the cost that uh, it may cost uh, to make it uh, uh, in a non-standard way. And I know that today I'm with an MNO, and if there is another mobile operator that gives me a much better offer, I will take it uh, to the next one. Then all these advantages are the one that we have to bring the barriers down uh, in order to uh, deliver this internet access to to this part of the world that uh, does not have. And today, if you look at the United Nations uh, charge, okay, the internet access and uh, and the development uh, status of the country is a linear line, okay? It's completely uh, tied one to each other. So really, the you know, as we think about Starlink, you mentioned being uh, now a leader in short form, in short order, right? They now have thousands of satellites and millions of customers. And that, but I understand that there's still only, you know, something like 8 to 10 million customers that are on satellite internet access when you compare that to the global population of billions, you know, that that those numbers themselves show like hey, they just they can't afford it, right? And so 
the idea that you can connect your everyday device also to a satellite will can can broaden up the access overall. In addition to the conversation we had with our guests on today's episode, we asked another expert to provide their insights on the future. Hi, my name is Nissa Vanmeter, and I'm a senior electrical engineer with Fresh Consulting. I think geographical diversity is probably the biggest barrier for getting reliable global internet access. You know, we're really spread out and it's not practical to run millions of miles of cables to reach all these small pockets of rural communities. That's where, you know, we really need an alternative. My name's Reg Orton. I am the Director of Product Development here at Fresh. Access to internet is a really interesting topic. Well, more and more people have access to devices, and that's been spread with the access, you know, really low-cost, really high-power smartphones now being available to so many more of the population than previous has meant that there are more and more people that have internet access devices. Signal is getting further and further out there. The satellite connectivity, you know, Starlink, Firesat 3, then some of the new low-cost satellite providers mean that more and more people have access to Signal. But then there are lots of other requirements, like do they have access to power to charge their device? If they've got access to power, are they within a Signal area? If they're within a Signal area, is that affordable? Do they have access to an affordable data plan? And if they have access to an affordable data plan, they have Signal, they have power, they have a device, is the information they're looking for available to them in a local language? Is it discoverable? Is it relevant to what they're looking at or what they're looking for? So many things that you know drive access the internet that are not just related to having a device are critical here. We're seeing movement uh, along that front. You know, um, the iPhone 14 from Apple also announced, you know, they put in 500, I think they announced 400, a $450 million investment with a partner company to try to get access, you know, emergency access to those that had the iPhone 14 device. But that's not you know, that's just emergency access, right? Like if, if there's a true emergency, not the ability to kind of communicate in general. So it's your belief that, you know, that's going to broaden essentially with companies like yours, being able to connect with mobile carriers, uh, that that's going to broaden the access kind of worldwide in the future. Listen, to have broadband connectivity direct to a mobile phone, it's expensive. It's expensive because it requires huge satellites with, uh, a lot of, uh, like, like a, a huge cell tower in the space, okay, that delivers back uh, to, to these uh, small mobile phones everywhere. To deliver two-way messaging, uh, this is much more affordable and sustainable. The, our vision today is that broadband uh, connectivity to the mobile phone direct to satellite will be working in developed countries, but not in uh, developing countries, okay. This this will be a problem there because the, uh, because at the same time the density of population is much much lower, and the satellite does not understand if they are over Texas or over an African country, okay. It has the same capacity in both of them. This means that the the return of your satellites is very high when you fly over a low populated area of United States, but it's zero when you fight over Rwanda, okay, because they cannot uh, afford it. Then what we are looking at, okay, and this is something that uh, is going to happen in the short term, in the short term it's 18 months, okay, what we are looking at is that with the uh, chipsets manufacturer of the mobile phones to include a very 
the simple protocol like the one of the IoT, 5G IoT, inside the mobile phones, which is this uh, useful phone. This will mean, okay, that you have two-way messaging everywhere in the world for a very low cost. And when I say very low cost, it means one dollar a month. And this is not emergency. This is everyday use, okay, in uh, everywhere. And this, honestly, is the way that we see that we are will be disrupting the world in general. Because when you're in the middle of nowhere, of course, you, you know, we will love to see Netflix, okay, uh, in the middle of the mountain, okay. But uh, but really, with messaging, we have more than enough on 95% of applications that are needed on these uh, on those places. Got it. So what Apple's doing is interesting. It's helpful, but the future is that we can do you know broader messaging everywhere with where technology is going, and you're at the forefront of that. I noticed also that uh, Starlink was collaborating with T-Mobile, and it seemed to be something kind of similar. Is is that your understanding that uh, you know Starlink will also provide a satellite connection to mobile carriers to try to bridge more coverage area? Sure, sure, they will do it. Okay. The, the problem here is that uh, the use of spectrum, okay? When you want to connect uh, direct to mobile phone and deliver some kind of uh, broadband connectivity, one of the problems is that uh, you need to use a lot of spectrum. In the United States, FCC, it's one of the most advanced, I would say, no, not one, it's the most advanced regulator in the world, okay? One of the things that I love in the United States is that nothing is forever, okay? If we just need to change, we change it, okay? And uh, why not? Okay, that because in the past we were doing it, but it doesn't make any sense, okay, to do change it for the future if it's there for us, for all of us. Then FCC has moved super fast in changing the regulation in order that the the same spectrum, the spectrum, as you know, is a scarce resource, okay? There is not all the spectrum in the world, okay? The spectrum is the one that we have, okay? And there is uh, there is no more. Then in order to optimize the use of, uh, of a spectrum, it's opening the possibility of using the spectrum of the mobile operators from a satellite, uh, from a satellite, okay? This will allow this connectivity from a satellite direct to a mobile phone. This is not going to happen in all the countries in the world, okay? And then uh, to have 10, 20 megahertz of a spectrum, that which is the minimum that you will need in order to connect mobile phones directly to satellite with a certain speed, okay? It will take uh, a long way in most of the countries uh, outside the uh, U.S. Thank you. Thanks for that detailed explanation. Tell us more about, so there's an impact to users there's also an impact to, to businesses as we think about having more access, you know, globally to two-way communication universally with, with coverage. Tell us more about kind of the impact to, to businesses. And then I want to talk about what's going on in Ukraine as well, since uh, I think what's happened with Starlink has been sort of, you know, something that hasn't really ever happened before. So, but to start off, tell us more about the impact to businesses, sort of the problems today and how, how these future changes will enable commerce in iot the impact is is huge in in all the different uh, sector of the economy okay we may start with uh, logistics uh, logistics uh, stand for 13 percent of the world gdp it's amazing okay it's uh, everything uh, uh, all the uh, all the different countries in the world they have from 20 from 10 to 25 percent of the gdp depends on logistics and, uh, and in logistics, uh, the supply chain problems that we have uh, 
we have seen uh, ourselves directly uh, during the pandemic when we realized uh, that, uh, that without knowing, okay, there was a lot of things around us that were coming from very far away, okay, it's, uh, it could be solved uh, measuring, optimizing, and taking uh, and, and, and taking prevention before it happens, okay? Then if you know that the boat will right away, if the truck is not on the uh, right uh, time, okay, if your packet, uh, you will not be there, okay? Everything, it's, uh, most of the things are, are suitable, okay? Yeah, uh, you may stop it, okay? Then just to pause you there for a second, we've experienced massive global supply chain problems in the last few years, right? And you're saying, hey, if we have more coverage from IoT, where we can have IoT devices versus, versus just some periodic satellite communication, we can really understand that supply chain better and solve the problems faster. Is that what I'm hearing? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. With no doubt, okay. The, a couple of months ago, we were with uh, one of the biggest logistic company in the world, the largest, largest logistic company in the world, okay? They have uh, around half a million refrigerated containers, okay? All of them, they have uh, 5G IoT connectivity, okay? You know, to have uh, to know the temperature, the humidity, the doors open, and the geolocalization. But what they say is that once it's on the boat, we lose it. Once it's on a track, <laughs> not nowhere, we lose it. We don't know uh, anything else, okay? And there is a lot of uh, of food in, the, in this case, okay, that is uh, transported with these uh, containers, okay, that we just that are just lose uh, uh, because uh, waste because uh, we we lose refrigeration. Uh, there is thousands, hundreds of thousands of containers, they are used every year in the middle of nowhere, okay? We have another application, okay, that is that uh, it's a company that just controls if the, if the container doors are open or closed, okay? And they control because they don't want that nobody uh, puts inside the container things that they have not to be there in order to, uh, to use the same. Then there is, uh, and, and finally, okay, that uh, we are, uh, we are uh, working with a company in San Diego, that it's uh, that has a tag, okay, that uh, uh, attached to a packet, okay, and uh, it has a printed uh, MBIOT uh, device. Then you may know exactly where your packet is in all the moments. Then if you live in New York, uh, the what we are doing it will have no impact because, of course, uh, there is uh, coverage everywhere. But if you live in a in a house uh, outside the city. Okay, we all have experience, okay, that our mobile phone stops working once we go a little bit away from the uh, from the big cities. Got it. So basically the, the connectivity of all these devices, this one example, hey, you know, tens of thousands of refrigerated containers kind of losing, losing access to those, where those are, if they're kept refrigerated. Uh, if someone's opened something and kind of put something else inside the container, there's, a, there's kind of a black box there. And so... That example is huge given how big the supply chain is for and logistics is for the GDP of, of the world, given the, the world commerce that's happened. And what are some other industries that are ha- you know have like massive problems like this? Can you speak to just broadly some other industries, maybe agriculture or others? Oh, agriculture. Uh, agriculture, what we have, uh, the, the amazing part of, of uh, everything that we are doing is that it's not something that we need to develop of the ecosystem. There is people that is already using the same sensors, the same devices 
versus what there is connectivity. And what they have experienced is that they they use 40% less water, which is wow, because uh, there is a wall problem with uh, water consumption, okay? The much less fertilizers, and at the same time, they increase the yield of the of the agriculture. Why? Because uh, you use, uh, you know when when you your crop is going to, to get yield, okay, much before it happened. Then all this combined, okay, it, uh, it creates a, a huge impact on agriculture as is today, okay. The problem today is that in most of the places, there are countries like uh, Brazil, okay, we were with uh, Roberto in Brazil, Brazil has 25% of the GDP depends on agriculture. U.S. It also has an agricultural industry, which is huge, okay? In uh, cattle management, cattle management, it's amazing what uh, the, we have. We don't have because we don't manufacture devices, okay? But there, there is around 50 companies in the world that already manufacture devices for cattle management. It's a, a color, okay, that it measures all the constant uh, vitals of the, of the cow, okay? They know if they eat, if they don't eat, if they move, if they move, where it is. If it gets pregnant, it's not okay. The, uh, all of this is the is the different industries, okay? That well, there is uh, a huge impact. All these ind- industries that there are outside the coverage of the mobile operators because the others they are already digitalized. All the these ones that need to be digitalized, fishing industry uh, and uh, all the maritime. Just think on uh, life jackets that may be uh, geocalized, okay? Know the na- number of hours that uh, our army, okay, or our safeguards spend trying to localize where there is somebody that has fallen down from a boat. It's, it's uh, awesome, okay? Then with a $5 device, you may know where exactly is the, the people that has uh, fallen down uh, in the middle of nowhere. You mentioned some really big statistics about how, you know, major macro industries could be affected. If I were to give kind of an analogy, is this more like, as you think about the human being and healthcare, there's a big push for preventative medicine, you know, where it's like you can monitor things before they happen. So you don't get to the end and all of a sudden you need a massive surgery because you have cancer um, or whatever it is. You have a major heart condition. It sounds like a lot of these use cases you're describing are like, hey, we if we have more intel more connectivity to these disparate areas, then we can be we can prevent a lot of waste and and improve you know a lot of the outcomes because we have the intelligence to, to monitor things more real time. Is that is that a kind of a good macro analogy? That's that's perfect. It's the digitalization of this eighty five percent of the world that today it cannot be done. Okay, today satellite communications are just used for critical IoT applications. You have a truck, a $12 million truck in an open-air mining uh, resource. That's perfect because uh, you don't care about uh, the cause of the of the satellite device. But when you have millions or hundreds of millions of cows, it's impossible to control all of them uh, this cost. I think one of the often overlooked industries that will really benefit from a more broad coverage internet access is the utilities industry, specifically the electrical grid. You know, in the United States, we have millions of miles of power lines, much of which are running in you know unpopulated areas through the mountains, the deserts, and the forests. Having a widespread and also low-cost connectivity option is going to open up all kinds of logistics, maintenance, sustainability technologies to support and hopefully to improve one of our critical national infrastructures. 
edge caching CDN and hyperlocalization have had a huge effect on how to distribute content down to users and also how to reduce the cost. So we're seeing now Google caches, Cloudflare caches, AWS caches are now popping up, not just internationally, not just between countries, we're seeing them across the nation. We're seeing them down to the city level where, you know, AWS and Google are putting in caches that are distributing content and, and caching content right down, you know, at the, the ISP level. And that's helped reduce the cost of delivery. When you see that, you know, up to 80% of that content is cacheable when you're looking at streaming content, when you're looking at social media content. And one of the things that we were looking at at Brick was how can you even push that further? Can you get that content? Can you get relevant content cached and available at a very, very low cost and high speed? Speeds and high bandwidth down at the village level or down, you know, even in can you cash in someone's house? Can you cash in, the, in public transit? And again, that helps reduce the cost. It helps improve the speeds and it means the backhaul is more capable. Google released a statement recently that they anticipate they won't be long before the fiber networks between countries won't keep up with the amount of data they have to move between their data centers. And, you know, that even translates down to how do they do the cash fills down at the uh, national scale pops, how do they do cash fill right the way down to, to the city level? And so in order to get people more access, we need to look at how do we improve that whole value chain from you know just pure data centers to the transit networks, to the CDNs and the edge caches, and then the last mile as well. Going back to, you know, the war we've been experiencing uh, between uh, Russia and Ukraine, Really interesting to see how an entire country could get kind of almost go dark and lose serious connectivity. But then, you know, within short order, you could bring in a satellite provider uh, and set up, you know, thousands of terminals. As I understand it, there's as many as 20,000 terminals now, Starlink terminals in Ukraine providing internet access where they otherwise were, you know, in the dark and even just normal human beings couldn't connect and say, hey, I'm safe or, you know, critical strategy kind of operations couldn't communicate one with another. Do you have any comments on that? Because I think that's a kind of a, it's a sort of a groundbreaking thing that, that happened in the last, you know, 12 months. Yes, uh, our technology, okay, that it's uh, uh, the internet of things. Uh, it has uh, a special uh, application on, on the battlefield, okay? The internet of battlefield things, uh, as you've seen, okay, one of the main uh, problems in Russia army was logistics. Okay, to move all these assets uh, to a new country, it uh, requires uh, a huge amount of intelligence on the field. Okay, and of course, when you are in uh, non in your country, okay, uh, you cannot rely on the telecommunications of uh, of other countries. Then, Internet of Whatever Things is something that we are looking at. Is something that we are super prepared because what we are doing, we have several projects in order to, to securitize okay, the communications because, of course, this is part of the, of the key point. We are involved in several projects uh, about uh, 2KD, about uh, quantum K distribution, in order to securitize uh, 3GPP or 5G telecommunications in order to be used to uh, to just track all these assets. Doesn't matter if it's a, a refrigerator, if it's a tank, or if it's a soldier. Okay, all this part of the logistics, and there is a lot much more than just a soldier. It's all the all the food, okay, that you need, um, all the all the fuel that you need to fill the the tanks. Okay, everything. All this part, it's uh, it's one of the part that I think that uh, 
Russia, it's, it's missing, uh, and it's one of the big problems that they have found that they were not prepared logistically to afford it. If your convoy goes dark and you don't have fuel or food, right, there are serious issues. And so the, the battlefield of kind of IoT connectivity and then the satellite being a part of that is, is a big part of any, would be a big part of any country's strategy if they're in war. Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. The connected uh, soldier is one part of the, of the question, okay, but having connectivity, having secure connectivity there, it's a, a huge important one. So we can't talk about, you know, changes to internet accessibility and not talk about low Earth orbit satellite internet. Here in the United States, for the first time, we have a consumer internet service that's delivering high-speed, reliable internet to rural communities. Starlink has essentially kickstarted a new race to tap into the rural market. I'm really excited to see more competitors in this space, pun intended. Certainly, Russia probably didn't anticipate, uh, you know, Elon uh, sending uh, thousands of satellites over in short order, and then the, you know, the rest of the U.S. and Europe kind of supporting, you know, adding even more. But that that seems to be a critical kind of aspect to their ability to defend themselves. Oh yes, oh yes, communication is vital. Okay, and when you know that uh, knowledge in the field, it's uh, it's something that is super valuable in these cases. And, and I think that Russia here has, uh, uh, have feel themselves, okay, completely in the dark compared to the, to the light that all the starling communication has give to, to the Ukrainian people. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly this is a stark example where we're talking probably tens of thousands of lives have been at stake as a result of this type of connectivity or their, at least their well being at a minimum. Right. Let's shift to the future a little bit. So there's a lot of groundbreaking things happening right now. We've seen what's happened with Starlink in the last few years. You guys have just launched, you know, your second major satellite and you have many more coming to try to bring cheap internet access and connect IoT access to to you know, 85% of the rest of the world. There's other, you know, telecom providers that are are trying to connect with satellites given that there's so much to gain from this sort of connectivity, especially if you can do it at low cost. Um, you mentioned countries like Africa and and the barrier for them accessing, you know, what what's going on with the rest of the satellite providers. But what is it, you know, if we have this sort of groundbreaking things happening now, as if we were to look to the future, you know, 15 to 20 years from now, what do you envision? Obviously, access, you know, would be a big, big part of that. But tell us more about your your vision for the future, because you're a pioneer. And you are, you know, you're someone who has uh, is creating the future right now. Tell us more about what you envision. Uh, the digitalization of the world is something that is going to happen in all the uh, with a super low cost connectivity, which means, okay, that uh, uh, when you turn up or uh, down a light, okay, you don't think about uh, how much does it cost uh, this light to to invite you, okay? Then, then we uh, we are going to have around twenty. IoT devices connected for each uh, mobile phone. And this means that all these health problems uh, that uh, we're envisioning, okay, uh, the personal IoT will be part of our life and everything will be connected. So there is a lot of intelligence, a lot of uh, things to win, okay, uh, if uh, all the different objects around us are uh, perfectly coordinated. And this will be thanks to, to the communication, to the mobile communication and satellite communication. There is a uh, 
there was something that is super curious, okay, that uh, for the last 20 years we have had a Mobile World Congress in Barcelona and a satellite in Washington. This not happen anymore, okay? Satellite and mobile connectivity will be just one, merging seamlessly in one, uh, in one transparent network uh, that will cover uh, all the world. Wow, that's amazing. Any other thoughts on the future as we, you know, as we anticipate, we try to forecast what's coming? What's coming, okay? Uh, what's coming is uh, the satellite industry is transforming super fast. New space, there is already uh, hundreds, uh, 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 well, uh, not hundreds of thousands, but tens of thousands of satellites uh, flying around us. This will be increasingly. The new Starship, uh, okay, will decrease again in a, in a disruptive way the cause of, uh, of putting things in a space. The moon, it's the first, okay, that for sure we will be, we'll be living there, okay, we'll have a permanent base on the, on the moon, okay, and in the telecommunications on the earth observing, there will be also, it'll be also amazing changes, okay, when you may uh, have a, a two meters vision uh, anywhere in the world in real time, okay, this uh, change again a lot of, uh, of the, the way, okay, that we react. Uh, this will impact with no doubt on the, on the environmental. And the world, one of the, one of the things that all of us, we have to, when you start a new disruptive business, like the one that we are doing, you have to think on both ways, okay, how to be a sustainable, a super profitable business. But at the same time, we have to be, we all have to be aware that the, our planet has a lot of, have a lot of challenges and we, we may be part of the solution, okay? Our technology per se, it allows uh, to, uh, to save energy, water, optimize for production, uh, and reduce uh, CO2, okay? But at the same time, what we are doing, when you have a global constellation, you have global coverage and a lot of capacity everywhere, okay? And there are some places where the best way to use this capacity is to offer it to NGOs. That's what we are doing. We are signing with... Uh, NGOs all around the world. We have already signed with NGOs, amazing NGOs like SOS Amazonia, that it takes care of the forestry, or Worldwide Fund that uh, it uh, does tracking of engaged species, you know, to offer them free of charge connectivity in these places. And this, again, it's uh, disrupting and it's something that it will change completely the way when we may track the 100% of the engaged species that there are out there because it will be free of cost for them. Uh, we expect, okay, that uh, have a huge impact on the future of our planet. Internet access in the next 10 years or 20 years? Well, internet access is becoming more ubiquitous in the Western world, and it's even becoming more ubiquitous in the developing world as well. And you're seeing things, you know, high-speed satellites, Fisat 3, Starlink, you know, more and more satellites are going up in the sky that are distributing content right way, you know, basically across the entire globe. We're seeing the, that cost of the internet getting lower and lower. We're seeing the competition in the space getting higher. And it's getting to the point that I wouldn't be surprised if the internet was effectively free in the next 10 to 20 years. You know, one of the things that's been trending a lot this year worldwide has been AI and generative AI. And as we think about IoT, you know, we talk about things being smart because they're connected. But I would say just because they're connected doesn't mean they're smart. It enables us to have the data so we can get smarter. But it seems like this confluence of, of AI, generative AI, 
is on kind of another another rapid rise where it's really picking up traction. How is that, you know, how have you guys thought about, you know, AI and, and these, you know, two kind of things converging as we think about the future? It's, uh, yeah, without AI, massive IoT connectivity is useless, okay? The, when you have a, a weather uh, station in the middle of your crops, okay, it's easy, okay, because you could uh, look at it every one hour, okay, and know if it drains, if not, but when you have 10,000 sensors, it's impossible, okay? You need AI, okay, with all the algorithms that detects when uh, you need to fertilize, when you need to waterize, and when you need to, to do something, okay, uh, in your uh, in your field, okay? Then AI and uh, and massive IoT, it goes hand by hand uh, because without the sensor, you don't know what's happening, and without AI, you don't know uh, which the result of what you are measuring all these tens of thousands of sensors that you are putting on the on the field. Got it. So the AI and machine learning will make all of this data more usable. I think that's one of the key things we saw with ChatGPT recently, just a small sliver of AI, but the generative AI aspect of putting putting a conversational interface over a large language model, it just made that all that information a lot more user-friendly. So if we take that analogy and say, okay, hey, we're, we're going to create you know, similar sort of conversational AI user-friendly information over these large data sets, then I, I could envision that also making things progress a lot quicker. Because it, like you said, it's one thing to have all that data, but it's useless unless you're really interpreting it, interpreting it and making it actionable, right? That's exactly what's happening, okay? With all this data, we may start learning a lot, okay? We may uh, react much faster, and we may uh, get conclusions for the for the results, and this is a, a virtual circle that it uh, it fits itself, okay, and, and makes uh, things much better every day. Got it. You mentioned um, you know billions of IoT devices, and I think I heard somewhere you mentioned maybe five billion IoT devices. I've read somewhere there's as many as ten billion IoT devices. It might depend on what what's described as an IoT device, but as given that we have this proliferation of access coming and the notion that you will need devices to kind of connect and to monitor. Do you have any forecasts of like how many IOT devices will will have in, you know, in 10 years or 20 years? Is it going to be an exponential curve? Yes. Uh, the measurements that, uh, or the forecast that we have uh, been seeing is that by 2013, it will be 200 billion IOT devices. 200 billion. 200 billion, okay? And, and these, these are all kind of small ones for your dog and your cat and your bird and your uh, refrigerator and your bicycle and uh, your boat and your, your windsurfing, everything, your light jacket, uh, your, of course, your watch. Uh, everything will be measured. Everything will be... Everything, it's at the same time, okay, privacy, it's... It's a concern, okay? All this data, we have to uh, we have to take care of it, okay? And we have to be really aware of all these uh, risks with uh, countries not so friendly with the data of others, okay? That uh, that it's really something that we have to we have to think that uh, this has no importance, okay? That nothing happens. It happens, okay? And uh, and the government here have to take a a hard role on it. 
That's interesting. So just high level, if we're at 5 billion or 10 billion now, we're talking a 20 to 40x increase by 2030 in roughly seven years. It's going to be a massive increase in, uh, in IoT devices. Massive increase. Uh, IoT devices everywhere because uh, the IoT devices are getting cheaper and cheaper. When I was talking about the attack, okay, the, uh, they want to, to have a tag for $2. Okay, a $2 tag that you may track everything okay that uh, doesn't matter whatever you want yeah. why not put that on a hundred of your things and have your own digital twin home right or your the digital twin of your business if you can track everything then that's huge that's huge uh, temperature uh, monitor the temperature of the different rooms okay it'll be that easy then uh, uh, all the your different plants in, at home okay it's, uh, for two dollars you you know when you have to, to waterize then all these uh, small things that today seem to be incredibly easy to do, okay, and but it will be much much easier uh, when you when we digitalize. Manage your ecosystem at home. Manage the digital twin, maybe of your business, especially if you're in a business that has any any environmental aspects or material aspects. You know, material handling alone is in construction is huge you know, tracking people as, as it relates to safety, the future of robots, but materials in construction. Oh, yes. If you could track materials at small ones, you know, and all the large ones, then one of the biggest problems in construction is 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 just moving things around and, and how disorganized that is. So, yeah, it seems like the wide scale benefits are just, you know, astronomical here. Who are the big companies that are involved in, it will be involved in providing uh, these IoT devices. Do any companies come to mind, or is that just the typical big kind of chip makers? The chip makers are, are, are two in the world, okay? Uh, one of the reasons we're in San Diego is because uh, we are part of the, of the Qualcomm Accelerator, okay? That, uh, it's uh, Ivonexus. And uh, that's uh, the, uh, what Qualcomm is doing in the world. It's, it's amazing, okay? It's, it's, uh, without them, it, uh, uh, we are losing a big part of this of this abandonment. Uh, the other is uh, MediaTek, and uh, there are some others in the world, but uh, not much, okay? There are very few companies that uh, they are on the on the forefront of the, the communications technology, okay? And uh, apart from that, okay, the chips are few, then the RF models, which is uh, the one that uh, uh, use the chips, okay, are a little bit more, but not that much, maybe uh, 50 companies. But then, and which is the nice part of the standard, you have thousands of companies that does different things for different applications. And this is the, this is the point, okay, that uh, when you have a $10 uh, device, okay, modem that could communicate anything you want and you may integrate because it's fully a standard uh, with your idea, okay, we have seen in, uh, as I said, uh, we have seen not just in cows, but also for bees, okay, for militarizing the, the big homes, okay, for monitorizing the small boats, uh, for the networks of the officials, uh, for for everything, okay? Then uh, you start thinking and you say, wow, they, if they're <laughs> then uh, why not? All you need to do is think, and then you can think, of, like, okay, well, yeah, why, why not track this if, it, if it's truly affordable and it can provide me more more intel? That makes sense. It's been fun to, to kind of pontificate a little bit about where the future is going, but I think it's grounded in what's happening now. There's serious movements uh, with, uh, like you said, these chip manufacturers with the standards pr- uh, providers, with the satellite companies, with AI, with uh, the server companies. And it's all kind of, it's a compilation of things that's really coming together 
you know, at scale. I want to, as we think about kind of wrapping up, I want to, I want to go back to you personally a little bit. You, you founded a, a few serious businesses. What drives you? Like what keeps you like driving towards all this next level innovation? Tell me more about uh, your drive. Uh, passion for innovation and for, uh, uh, for disrupting uh, new businesses. It's, uh, yeah, is that uh, at the end, okay, when you start, you have nothing, okay? Uh, to the, uh, I started IoT, we started in 2018. This was uh, four years ago. Now we just launched the first five IoT satellite in, in four years, uh, a little bit more than four years. Then this, uh, this is the creation on the most uh, uh, pure essential. Okay, you start with uh, nothing, with just no, with uh, with an idea that is never it's the the final one. Okay, uh, don't think that uh, that ideas come just sweeping. Okay, and you wake up and you have seen the five JOT satellite flying. Okay, that uh, you start saying that there is a problem. That let's look at different solutions. You start with one. Is not exactly the one that you wanted? But uh, all this process of creation of company and to see real impact and real results on the final users, it's what uh, passionates me, okay? That uh, uh, to see uh, that we may change the world with ideas, it's amazing. And it's something that uh, when, I, when I left my last company, okay, I said, okay, let's take a rest. Maybe it's time to, to retire. And it lasts me uh, a couple of months. Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. Uh, wanted to to be on the on the field. Got it. Well, I think yeah. When you see a country like you mentioned the early example of Morocco, you know, bringing access to all those people in Morocco, like I think you could kind of go from there to like, okay, well, what if I could change the EU or what if I could change the world? And and I could see how that the ability to impact people and, and make a difference could be a, a key driver, especially when we're talking about worldwide impact, um, which is where, you know, all these satellite providers are, right? You know, that they're, they're, they're making major impact that is making major improvements in short order. So it, it must be fun to be part of. You sound like a serious entrepreneur. A lot of entrepreneurs, even like me, struggle with staying healthy. So do you have any tips for your yourself maybe maybe 20 years ago or any tips for other entrepreneurs about how do you stay healthy as an entrepreneur? It's hard to kind of keep a good balance. No, oh, yes, oh yes. A sport is that the only thing okay that uh, helps stay healthy. <laughs> honestly, it's the only way that I have discovered that I could wake up on Monday and uh, I have all the energy. It's uh, during Saturday and Sunday to break it uh, to do a break, that's important, okay? To try, uh, we all have been working for Sundays and Saturdays at night, okay? And if you have to do it, you do it, okay? But you have to try to, to make a break and to do a lot of sport. The sport cleans up your head and allows you to start uh, thinking with a, a, a white sheet of paper again and, uh, and affording all these problems because uh, 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 the entrepreneur world has a lot of uh, nice moments but uh, but has a lot of hard moments for all of us, okay? That uh, we all have passed through this. And uh, if you are not uh, uh, mente sana and corpore sana, okay, it's something that uh, for sure is uh, a real truth. Thanks for that advice about taking breaks and, and getting involved in athletics and sports. And that's one thing that keeps me grounded. I recently, uh, I tore my calf muscle and I realized in, the, in the, the three or four weeks that I wasn't able to get out and exercise, like my stress levels went up quite a bit. So, you know, getting, getting that, getting that break, 
taking a break and getting those that stress release is is really important, especially as an entrepreneur where you you're often working nights and weekends or you're you're working really heavy hours. As we think about the future, you know, technology kind of have its has a life of its own a little bit. You know, we talked about how fast things were moving across a few different spaces, not to mention what's happening with telecom and satellite. Even though it takes a lot of work with, you know, government agencies sometimes to, to change a standard, you know, technology is still, you know, it moves so quickly. As we think about designing the future of internet access with intent and make sure that we're doing good for humanity, do you have any other final thoughts as relate to doing good? You know, you mentioned some some examples here where we're providing good, but sometimes we we launch technology so fast, we don't contemplate also the bad and the things that you know we got to be mindful from an ethical perspective. Any thoughts to round off from that angle? I think that the technology is per se that it is not good or bad. Okay, the, I believe. Okay, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Okay, but I believe that all the energies may have a good impact on humanity. Okay, it's it's only the use of this energy uh, of this technology. Okay, that sometimes is uh, doing wrong. Everything is scared. Everybody is scared about uh, AA. Everybody is scared about uh, uh, telecommunications uh, having you robots, robots. Uh, okay, all the, the all these technologies. Okay, that uh, uh, in the past uh, our uh, our history shows. Okay, that all this technology may be uh, used on a good way on a bad way. We just have to focus on the on the good way to, to use it uh, because all this will help us. We are living much much better than our grandfathers, our parents. Okay, and I am sure that our grandson will live uh, much better than we do. Thank you. Appreciate that advice, and I agree with you that technology can be good or bad, and it's our prerogative and our imperative to focus on the good and shape it. You know, as pioneers in the space, Jelma, it's been a, a pleasure to have you on the show to uh, learn from you and thank you for being a pioneer and an innovator. And we're looking forward to uh, watching Satel IoT and watching it grow and seeing how you can uh, change the future. I'm sure that uh, we'll talk again uh, uh, soon, okay? Since we, we keep launching more satellites, it has been a pleasure to have this time with you. Thank you, Jeff. The Future of Podcast is brought to you by Fresh Consulting. To find out more about how we pair design and technology together to shape the future, visit us at freshconsulting.com. Make sure to search for the future of an Apple podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any of our future episodes. And on behalf of our team here at Fresh, thank you for listening.